Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. So that's an odd place to start a Christmas series. But you know, as children of God, that's where we want to end up. Amen. We want to be there when the new Jerusalem is coming down and we get to be a part of that great company of saints that march into that city. And so Revelation chapter 22, though, I want to look at this theme, come, this theme, come. I asked you to sing that song and I love, I love that song for the very first time I heard it. It's just, it's not one of those ones with a high ending or great big choir sound to it, just a soft and sweet melody. And, uh, but every verse is centered on Jesus Christ. And I like that. And, and uh, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He answers all of life's needs. You know, as we sing that song, we'll praise the name. I love that phrase, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. What well, a day that will be. I can't wait till we get home and see Jesus. And, uh, you know, we've been reminded lately of death. And uh, for those today that are in heaven rejoicing in the presence of their Savior on this Sunday morning, and uh, I, I don't know what it's like in heaven as far as seasons or times or days. God is timeless, but I imagine Christmas in heaven is way better than down here. I mean, on earth they sing glory to God in the highest. The angels sing that every day in heaven. And uh, so it would be an amazing, amazing experience. But I, I just can't wait till my gaze is transfixed on Jesus' face. He's the one we want to see. And, uh, you know, all these paintings and pictures that we see, they kind of look similar, don't they? You kind of get an idea, well, this is what they think Jesus looked like. And some artists put that out, and everybody else has tried to copy that over the years, I suppose, and give us an idea what Jesus looked like. But uh, I, I, I think we can tie it right to that verse, I have not seen, neither have you heard all the things that God has prepared for us. To look upon Jesus will be like the first time we've ever seen him. What a wonderful thing. I'm looking forward to that day. Revelation chapter 22 this morning. Let me remind you of some prayer needs today before we go any further. Let's remember Sue Hatch. And uh, Sue has come down with cellulitis in the um, tissue that has been replaced on her scalp. And uh, cellulitis is an infection that is underneath the skin. It can be very dangerous, especially when it's on the head. Because it can go through the ears or the eyes and affect the brain. And so it's very, very dangerous. And so today they are doing an emergency operation, probably as we speak. And so we need to be praying for Sue. Um, you, some of you got an email yesterday and asked, we didn't have time to get it put together. It was kind of an urgent. They were getting on our antibiotics as quick as they could to try to fight some of this infection. And uh, so we just put out a list and said, please pray every half hour. Let's, let's pray for her. And then um, today they're doing emergency surgery to remove the tissue and try to clean the infection. And then on Tuesday, they're, they're going to do another skin graft and pray that this one takes. And so would you be in prayer for them as they are going through this? And, and of course, Mike and Sharon are running alongside with her and, and uh, feeling the grief and the sorrow of all of that. Let's remember Jessica Morrow in the hospital as well. And um, they just keep saying surgery, and then they pull that back a little bit and push it back a few more days in surgery. And so we go down to see her and try to be there, and then we we have to uh, uh, back off, and then and uh, then we hear again surgery. And so I've heard her on the phone with the kids a couple times now, and and sounds like she's starting to do a little better. And uh, we're thankful for that. But her body needs to get to the point where she can endure surgery. And so be in prayer for Jessica and pray for the kids. It's Christmas time without their mom, so it's a difficult time. And then we're praying for the Norris family this morning. They had um, a cousin that passed away uh, due to COVID. Was that just yesterday? Yesterday. And so let's remember uh, their family in prayer as they're grieving and uh, this one that has gone home. And so let's pray for them. 
All right, Revelation chapter 22, let's look there this morning and we'll, we'll read our scripture and then we'll have a word of prayer and we'll pray for these that have needs. I, I believe wholeheartedly, I've told you this before, that I, I don't like announcements about a team basketball game or whatever during our worship time, but prayer is worship. Because uh, when we bring our needs to the Lord, we are surrendering to him and saying, I can't do this, Lord, but we know you can. And you are the almighty God, and we are trusting you to take care of these needs according to your will. And so we have no problem sharing prayer requests uh, during our worship time. But let's, let's look this morning, Revelation chapter 22. And the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you and praise you for all that you've done for us. Father, I just overwhelmed this morning with that thought that one day we'll stand in your presence and look upon your face. Lord, we are not worthy, but we thank you for grace. We thank you for the shedding of blood that has washed away our sins, that when we stand before God, he'll only see his son, Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray that they would heed this invitation, this word that we find repeated in Scripture many times, come, or call upon the name of the Lord. Or, uh, Lord, we just pray that the, that the heart would be gripped by the Holy Spirit today, that he would speak to folks, and Lord, that we would not manipulate with our words, but instead the Spirit of God would be able to work and, and call people to repentance. Father, I pray that you'd help me. I need your help. And I pray as I surrender to you that you'd fill me with your spirit. And may the same spirit of God fill each one of us. Lord, that we may know the truth of God's word. Father, we do lift up these before you. We think of Sue this morning, having surgery even now. Lord, we pray that you'd guide those surgeons' hands and give the doctors wisdom as they treat her. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that this would have an impact on her family, Lord, about the growth of their faith. Lord, we know that there's a lesson in everything. We pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen them through this time, help them to trust in thee. But we do pray, Lord, that you touch her body and heal her. And, Lord, another surgery on Tuesday to replace the skin graft. And we pray, Lord, that it would be successful this time. And, Lord, that there would be no further infections. Lord, we are thankful to hear the report that at the margins there's no cancer. And so we praise you, Lord, for taking that at this time. And we pray that would continue to be the case in every further test. We pray for the Norris family today at the death of this cousin. We ask, Lord, that you'd comfort them. And, Lord, not just them. Uh, Lord, for their, they're in church today. They know the Lord, and they have a hope that, and a peace that passes understanding. But there's many family members that may not understand just the same. We pray, Lord, that you'd save them. Use this, uh, perhaps a funeral time or a preacher that would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give the Norris's grace and wisdom to share the gospel with these family that are hurting. And, Lord, that perhaps they, too, would put their faith in Jesus. Father, we pray for Jessica in the hospital today. Lord, I, I'm sure after almost three months, or it's been three months now, she's discouraged. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage her heart. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with her kids. And Lord, as they, all three of them, in a different home right now. And, and uh, Lord, so hard on them. We pray that you'd give them grace this Christmas season. Lord, bless them, Lord, as they consider and pray for their mom. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow her to have her surgery very quickly, that she might recover and be back home very soon. So, Lord, we commit all these things into your care, knowing you are almighty God, knowing that you see our needs before we ever ask, and, Lord, that you're already working. And so we pray that you'd bless each one. Help us now again as we turn to your word. Help us tune out all things of this earth, 
and to focus only upon Jesus. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, throughout the Word of God, we see this theme repeated over and over. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You know, if I were to look at Christmas, and and for years now, I guess since 1998, I've had to preach every year on a Christmas theme, and it it gets difficult when there's only a few chapters in the Bible. Last week, I was sitting in my office, and I was praying about what the Lord would have me to do this December, and it just kind of hit my heart to look at it from a different direction. The Lord Jesus Christ did come, but he came to give life, and that we might have life more abundantly. He has come so that we might come to him. He has come to this earth to extend an invitation. I want to look at that invitation over the next four Sundays as as we today will first of all look at the recipients of this invitation. I think it's important that we understand who this invitation is addressed to. Did Christ just die for some as some in doctrinal error will try to teach us? That it is a limited atonement, that Christ only died for the elect. And friends, I don't believe that at all. I believe the Bible says, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe my Bible says, come unto me all. All ye who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible call is clear that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And if we would just come to him and trust him by faith, we could be saved and covered in his precious blood. Let me ask you just right at the beginning this morning, do you find yourself in that place? A child of God who could stand before God today, not worthy, but covered by his blood. Forgiven of your sins, knowing that you stand before God cleansed of all unrighteousness, not because of works which we have done, but by his grace he saved us through faith in him alone. And that's why you came, to be saved by Jesus. The Bible says also in Mark chapter 2, listen to this, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wow. That's good news for you because the Bible says for all have sinned. We're all in the same boat and God came to call us to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, but God is not slack, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for this at all this morning, but this morning's message will be a simple salvation gospel message. After all, isn't that what Christmas is about? You can walk into Walmart and you'll think that Christmas is about a lot of other things. I remember going into Canadian Tire a few years ago and I came to the checkout and I bought whatever I was buying and I said, Merry Christmas. And they said, we don't, we don't say that. The girl says, we don't, we don't say that. And as I turned, I was walking out of the store, and above the wall, as you're going out the door, great big letters about five feet high, it says, Canada's Christmas store. I thought, boy, you're confused. I want to tell you this. On December 25th, I will celebrate the birth of my Savior, Jesus Christ. 
I'm not here to celebrate anything else. I'm here to lift up the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth that I might have life. To save my wretched, sin-sick soul. To pay the price for my sin on Calvary. Yesterday I walked in the door and we were coming here for the evening prayer time. And when I walked in, you saw it this morning, out right in the corner, a manger with a light pointing up to the cross. Why, it struck my heart. What a wonderful picture that Christ came with an eye or a light upon the cross of Calvary. One day he would walk those roads of Jerusalem and one day he would carry his cross and he would go to a place called Golgotha and there he would shed his blood for our sins. Friends, I hope you know him today. For this invitation has been extended to you. We're talking about the recipient of this invitation. There, there's something my wife and I try to do every year, and we're, uh, we're not perfect about it, but we try to do it every year. We want to make sure that every person that comes to Bethel Baptist Church gets at least one Christmas card. So we, we try to write a Christmas card for everybody in the church. That's just something we like to do. And uh, we have to team up on it. We have a system. Uh, there's about 145 cards that we did this year, and we're writing them all out, you know? But we want to make sure everybody gets a card. We don't want anybody to be left out. You say, well, they only visited one time. You know, it doesn't matter. We don't want anybody to be left out. I don't want somebody coming Sunday and seeing everybody getting a card and saying, well, how come I didn't get one? God didn't leave anybody out in this invitation. He wants everybody to have it. Listen, I, I don't know how, how those who believe in limited atonement or that God only died for the elect, I don't know how they get past that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let's look at this morning the invitations recipient. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Can I, can I say to you, this is the longest invitation ever written in the history of the world. How many of you have gotten invitations for things before? Uh, don't raise your hand. It would be so sad if you've never gotten an invitation to anything. <laughs> I remember when Beth was, oh, about eight years old, she decided that she asked if she could have a birthday party. And I don't, I don't remember if she was eight or nine or what it was. And we said, yeah, I guess I'd be okay. And so she decided that we're going to go to McDonald's. And so it was the month of March. Well, her birthday is May the 1st, and she just knows that at the end of the month is my birthday, and I guess she was too young to figure out the calendar, didn't know there was a month in between, April. So she said, she wrote this invitation out by hand, didn't tell us. And she said, well, she says, I, my, we're having a party at McDonald's on April the 1st instead of May the 1st. It was a Saturday. And she says, I want you to come, and don't worry about money. My dad's going to pay for everything. That's what it said, all handwritten out, all crooked. Some of you parents got one of those invitations. You know what I mean? And, we, and then somebody came to us and said, what about this birthday party? And we went, what birthday party? I was afraid to drive by McDonald's that day. I didn't even go, we didn't go near the place because we thought, we don't know who's coming. We said, Beth, who'd you give them to? She said, I just gave them to everybody. I wrote out like 50 of those things. I just handed them out to everybody. Come, dad will buy you a hamburger. I thought, I'm not buying a hamburger for 50 people. 
I, I didn't go near McDonald's. I stayed away. I thought if they show up, they're on their own. But I said, Beth, why so many? I don't want anybody to be left out. The Lord Jesus Christ died for everybody. He doesn't want anybody to be left out. Let me say this, friend. If you're here today and you stand before God one day and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That is squarely upon your shoulders because he died for you. You are the recipient of this invitation. He extended his love for the whole world, for God so loved the world. If you're left out today, it's because of a choice you'll make today. Those who are under the sound of the gospel here in this room. Notice what it says in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. I like that first part. And the spirit and the bride say, come. We see, first of all, we're talking about this invitation source this morning. We see, first of all, it's a sincere invitation. It comes from the Spirit. It comes from the Spirit. I just want to impress this upon your heart. This morning and this Christmas season, we can't manipulate people into the gospel. We have to let the Spirit of God do the work. If God is speaking to your heart today, that's not because of some clever thing I have said. I, I feel like the Apostle Paul, when I first came unto you, I, I, I came with confusing words and a stammering tongue. And uh, uh, Friends, I, I, I don't care about that. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts today. And that is my prayer, and that's what I've begged God to do, that he might speak to your heart. There was a fellow that came to our church several years ago, and he sat on the back row for several weeks. And he says, I don't know what it is. He says, but every time the choir sings, he says, I just want to come out of my chair. He says, I don't know what it is. He says, I, I hear the ensemble or I hear a special and I get excited. And he says, I, I hear the people singing in church. And he says, I get excited. And he says, and I wonder why nobody else is. He says, do they not have that same feeling? He wasn't even saved yet. It wasn't long after that he accepted Christ as his Savior. But that was the Spirit of God working on him, stirring his heart and his soul. And as Cody testified a few minutes ago, hearing that hymn over, I, I didn't want to tell, tell him that our piano player was 90. It was the only song she knew. And softly and tenderly, come home, come home. And he says, I just felt that Spirit of God grabbing me. Have you ever had that? Spirit of God speaking to your heart. We can't manipulate people. We must give them the word of God, the scriptures. Allow them to see for themselves their need of a savior. And friends, I, I know better, no better way myself than to tell you this way. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And he paid the price for your sins. What more could you want? It's a sincere invitation. We see, first of all, the cry of the Spirit. He says, the Spirit says, come. And, and that calling that you feel in your heart and that cry that when, when, when the Word of God is open and speaks to your heart, that is the very Spirit of God beckoning unto you and calling unto you saying, come. 
to the Savior. But we also see there's the call of the city. The city. That's what it says. It says, the spirit and the bride say come. You say, well, isn't the bride the, the bride of Christ? Well, there's more than one bride in the Bible. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. This is my obligatory trip to the tissue box, isn't it? Brother Smith even said it at the funeral. I got to do a Pastor Fury when he got tissues. The cry of the city, Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, listen as it says this, as a bride adorned for her husband. Now you say, well, that's not much proof because the word as is a comparison. The city looks like a bride. She's been prepared like a bride. But look on, read on. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. How many does this sound like a place you want to go? And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And then he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a, great, a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, and a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel." And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. He said, I'm tired of all this reading. Friends, this is the bride we're talking about. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh christodite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth, uh, this one always messes me up, a crystal prasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Here's the best part. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. 
And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're not quite done. A few more verses. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne and of the Lamb, a throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night. For, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The Spirit and the bride say, come. We see the cry of the Spirit, but we also see the call of the city. How many times have you said in your life, when somebody's passed away, boy, heaven just gets sweeter every day. How many of you watch the news and go, man, heaven's looking better? Heaven's looking better. How many of you have weeped in sorrow and grief and said, I can't wait till the day God wipes away all my tears? God is so good to us. Not only does the spirit beckon, but the city beckons us. Can I I say to you this morning that heaven is a real place? I believe with all my heart. I'm bothered sometimes because songwriters will put in the hymn books, they'll put heaven with a small h. And I thought, don't you believe it's real? Because I was taught in English class that a proper noun is capitalized if it's a place. Simcoe is capitalized. Ontario is capitalized. Canada is capitalized. Heaven is a real place. We ought to give it the honor that it is due. It is the abode of God. There's no temple there, though, because God and the Lamb are there in the midst. No need of light, for Jesus is the light of the world. Friends, the city beckons us. We see it's a sincere invitation. It comes from the Spirit and the Bride. But look at verse 17 of Revelation chapter 22. We notice, secondly, it's a shared invitation. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. You ever wondered what that meant? means exactly what it says. If you have heard this invitation, it's your job also to invite others to say, come. Every one of us who have received this gift are to share it with somebody else. Isn't that what Christmas really is all about? It's not about giving gifts and, and wrapping them in paper and putting them under a tree and exchanging those gifts. Those are just tokens of what God wants us to do. We, freely you have received, now freely give. And the greatest gift we ever received was the gospel of Jesus Christ. This week I, I did up a little kind of a gospel track by email. How many of you got that? Raise your hand. You got that through the church email list. I just gave some instructions in a separate email and said, just do this. Just hit the forward button. Erase all the stuff above it because sometimes it'll say forwarded from or uh, it'll say sent from my iPhone or whatever. Just erase that. 
And then put as many contacts as you can and hit send. And pray and ask God to use that. We, we have a gift that we are to give to others. The spirit and the bride say come, but he, let he that heareth say come. Have you received this gift? I say to my shame that sometimes I keep that gift to myself. We are to share it. We are to give it to others. I was encouraged this morning. Brother Norris sent me a little text and said last night he gave a gospel tract to one of our teenagers and he said, let me, let me dare you to do something. Go talk to somebody and give them this. And he said, he went right over to a man and he talked to him for several minutes and handed him a gospel tract. I bless my heart. Hey, that's, that, that, that accomplished far more than a shopping trip. What, what would happen if we got to heaven one day, Brother Kevin, and heard that man got saved? Who cares about what you bought at the Lime Ridge Mall? What you overpaid for? You know? Josh came home and he said, well, I tried this tea. And I said, this tea, yeah. And he told me in the name of it. I can't remember what it's called. He said, there's a, there's a tea shop there. And they had these. And so I got one. It was good. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, it was only $10. Have you ever heard of Tim Hortons? Buck 97. $10 for a tea. Good night. The shopping trip was fun for the kids, but it didn't accomplish near as much as that one gospel track. Sharing Christ. Telling others about this gift. The spirit and the bride say, come. It's a sincere invitation, but it's to be a shared invitation. Let him that heareth come. By the way, this, this invitation is for everybody. Luke chapter 18, we see that the disciples were discouraged because people were building, bringing their children to the Lord and they wanted to be blessed by Jesus. And Jesus rebuked those disciples. He said, no, 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 suffer the little children to come unto me. In Luke chapter 15, we read of a, a great man who was building a, a dinner, a great supper for, for some people, and he invited people, and some said, well, I've bought a parcel of land, and I cannot come, and another, I've married a wife, and I cannot come, and another had other affairs to tend to, and he says, go out and tell others to come, and they invited everybody, and still there was room, and he says, now go to the highways and the hedges and compel the maimed, the halt, and the blind, that my house may be filled. I'm here to tell you today that God wants everybody to come. We are to share the invitation with all. But I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, the invitation scope. We've talked about the invitation source. It's the Spirit of God who says to go. It's the bride. It's those that adhere that have extended this invitation. But notice the scope of it this morning. It reaches forth, number one, to whomever has a need to satisfy. Whomever has a need to satisfy. Notice what the scripture says, verse 17. And let him that is a thirst come. I don't know of any greater need than water. You can live without food for a little while, probably a week, 10 days, some of us a lot longer. But you can't go without water for long. I have no doubt in my mind that's why the Lord has used this illustration. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come. I, I used to get a kick out of Austin. I, I'm just going to tell you folks that have young children, 
You think girls can be dramatic when they're teenagers? They got nothing on boys. I'm telling you right now. We'd, we'd go out for a bike ride or a hike or something. Keep in mind, at the time, I'm not anymore, praise the Lord, but I was over 300 pounds and a diabetic. And I'd come back and I'd be fine. And Austin would say, I need water. I'm dying of water. He was 40 pounds soaking wet. I said, Austin, I've got a medical condition that makes you thirsty and I'm fine. But drama. You ever had that feeling where you're just so thirsty? Oh, there's nothing like a glass of water. God says, come. But I think the illustration is saying this. If you have a need, I can satisfy it. You have something that is lacking in your life, I can quench that need. I can take care of it. You're thirsty, come. You're hungry, I'll fill you. Whatever your need is, I can take care of it. I am God. And so we see that it is a whomever has a need to satisfy, but we notice also in this passage, whomever has a desire to be saved. Whoever can come. Look what it says. Come and let him that hears say, come and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I say again, it's for everybody. Do you want to be saved today? You can. He said, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? Nothing. It's already done. It is finished. All you have to do is believe. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, and by his grace, he will save you. Notice the last thing. I've kind of had to rush through the last couple things. We've seen the invitation scope, but let me give you the invitation summary. Number one, it is free. Let him take. Let him take. Yesterday I cleaned out my shed. I was trying to get ready for winter time, and we have these three great big giant maples, and they hold onto their leaves longer than any other trees on our street for some reason, and so all the leaves didn't come down until the snow hit. And then they come down, and then they're wet, and then they're a pain. And so I worked at cleaning up the yard and cleaning up the leaves and doing all that. And I wanted to get my lawnmower put in the shed, and I wanted to get my snowblower out of the shed. And so I was doing all that. And how many of you know that you accumulate things when you got kids? And so my shed, we had a little bike like this. I thought, I haven't had kids that little in a long time, but it was in the shed. And, and so I, I took a picture of it, and I put it on Kijiji, and I said, it's free. Anybody wants it? I put it out to the road, and I set it there. Nobody's picked it up yet. It's in pretty good shape. There's nothing wrong with it, but I just, it's just a little girl's bike, and I just didn't have a use for it, and I just thought maybe it would be a blessing to somebody. A needy family at Christmas time doesn't have a bike for their kid. So I just put it out there, and nobody's taken it yet. But several years ago, I put something on Kijiji as well, and I said, it's free. I just want it out of my house I need it gone today. I don't want to be messing around trying to meet with buyers or whatever. It's just take it. It's free. And I had literally somebody email me and said, what does it cost? They didn't get the idea what free meant. I said, it's free. Well, it must cost something. They thought I was just using the word free to catch attention. No, no, it's free. You know, so many believers that's, or so many people in the world, that's what they think about salvation can't possibly be free. It must cost something. It costs Jesus his life. It's already paid for, paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is take it. 
take it. He says, whosoever will may take of the tree of life. There's no strings attached. Simply come. It is given as a gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith. That word grace means a gift that we do not deserve, something that is given to us beyond all of our own favor. It is a gift. It is free. It is a gift of grace. It is given as a gift. And lastly, I want you to see this about the invitation summary. It's free, but it's not forced. It's not forced. Look what he says in verse 17. Whosoever will. It's up to you. He's not forcing it on you. He's not keeping it from you. You don't have to earn anything, do anything. If if the Lord were to wrap up salvation and put it under this Christmas tree this morning, there would be a box with every one of your names on it. All you have to do is come pick it up and open up that free gift of eternal life. You know, I... I'm always cautious. I'm always worried. I, I hate to see people hurt or upset or bothered. And so there's been times over the years, you know, where you, you do maybe a gift exchange or something. We always want to make sure we have a couple extra gifts in case somebody shows up. God doesn't have to do that because even the number, hairs in your head are numbered. He knows you from the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb. And the moment... He did that. He put your name on a gift. And he said, whosoever will may take it. It's yours. Just come and receive it. So how do I do that? It's called faith. It's called faith. Simply trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you can be saved. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Nobody's going to be looking around, and friends... If you're here today and you're nervous about what you've heard, perhaps the Holy Spirit is already speaking to your heart. And those folks with their heads bowed all around you, they're praying right now. Those folks might be saved. Might put their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you received that gift? The invitation is simply this, come. Come. Jesus came to save your soul. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the fact that God sent his only begotten son, that he left the splendors of heaven, humbled himself, came to this earth and became obedient unto the death of the cross. That we can share in the joys of eternal life for those that will be washed by his blood and accept the gift of salvation he took your place in the penalty that you owed so that you can have eternal life through him is there one to say preacher I'm not sure I'm saved and and Frank can I ask you to do this would you overlook my feeble presentation and would you listen to the spirit that is speaking to your heart this morning if you're not saved today you know you're not you know you haven't received this gift. You haven't stepped out by faith and trusted Christ. And we'd like to help you today. We'll take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. 
Because one day you will stand before God and your eyes will be transfixed upon his face and he'll either welcome you into the joy of the Lord or he'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. Do you know him today? Would you slip up your hand? Let me pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I promise I'm not going to call out your name. I just want to pray for you. My prayer won't save you, but I want to ask God to help you. Is there one? Is there one? How many of you would pray today? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many would you pray today? God, help me to share this gift at Christmas. I've heard. Let he that heareth say, come. I've heard this precious gospel. I'm saved and I need to tell somebody else. God, give me the courage. Well, the world is pretty vocal about all their stuff, aren't they? And we have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's a Christmas song that says, go tell it on the mountains. That's what we ought to do.